0: way to engage the messages with your Bible, something to write with. Um, if you need a Bible and you don't have one, there's plenty in the back either side. You can just walk back there and grab yourself a Bible. Um, and if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, we're looking at one verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, but the whole motivation around this whole letter, for Paul's letter to the Corinthian church is, is to build a healthy community. He's teaching people who are coming out of a pagan world how to live like Jesus. So he's asking these big questions like, how do we protect each other without doing things that harm people? And how do we trust when trust is damaged? And how do we stay focused on hope and potential when reality would rather tell a different story? How do we hang in for the long haul, way past good sense? We talked about this last week, knowing that transformation is a journey, not a moment. All of this, those questions, that's the deep end of family life. It's the kind of family Jesus called his people to form with each other. And the verse we're focusing on is 1 Corinthians 13, 7, which tells us all these things are possible. So um, the Amplified Bible puts that verse this way. I want you to hear a couple of versions before we settle on the one um, that we're gonna read together. But the Amplified Bible puts this verse this way, 1 Corinthians 13, seven, love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. Man, that, that's powerful, that's a powerful way to think about always uh, protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. The Phillips translation says it this way, love, knows no limit to its endurance that's pretty powerful no end to its trust no fading of its hope it can outlast anything i love that man I just I grabbed hold of that when I first saw that love, love, love will outlast anything that's sort of the way I feel right now man I'm gonna outlast COVID I don't care how long it takes I'm gonna outlast COVID I will be worshiping Jesus in this place no matter how long it takes for the world to right itself and I can outlast a snowstorm too even if it's just in my brain that it's snowing and not actually out there you know, we, what what is it? What is it in your life that you sort of need to gather up? I just love what Chris said the, to 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 claim your inheritance in confidence, your inheritance of confidence. What is it you need to gather up and restore hope and faith in? The NIV puts this version uh, put, I mean, puts this verse this way. I want you to put this verse on the screen so we can read it together. You ready? We're going to read it up from the screen. Go. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So I want you to really focus on those four uh, verbs there, protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. And there's some things I want you to learn about those four verbs. What do you see when you see just those four verbs, protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres, what do you see in the way it's written in this verse? Their strengths, there's an always is a modifier, yep, yep. And you know something else that I see is they're all present tense. (laughs) They're all present tense. And with the modifier of always, I mean, that is a strength, Rhonda. That's a huge, when when always is strong, right? That's a strong word. So what I'm hearing is um, that God who is love protects us now and he's going to protect us tomorrow and he's going to protect us the next day and the next day always and God who is love trusts is is worthy of our trust now and worthy of our trust tomorrow and worthy of our trust the next day. He carries hope for us now and he will carry hope tomorrow and the next day. He perseveres on our behalf now and he will keep on hanging in tomorrow and the next day. So always is a state of being for God, which means that always is a state of being we can draw from It's part of that inheritance. It's a state of being we can draw from if we belong to God's always family. Love always protects. Let's say this again. Go. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So last week we talked about that first always always protects i hope you'll listen to last week's message if you haven't already so you can get that visual of the red solo cup in your head and god flicking off the flies because he is not going to give up on you he's going to hold uh he's going to hold he's going to bear with you he's going to hold faith for you for as long as it takes waiting in love for our response ours is in Always God who always protects, always bears with us, never disappoints. And we learned last week that in that case, an always family knows how to hang on for as long as it takes. This week we discover that ours is also a God we can trust who calls us into the kind of family that has trust at its foundation. And I hear you already wondering, so wait a minute, how does this work with people who are not all that trustworthy? How does this work with addicts in my life who lie and with other people who have lied to us and with people who are super self-protective and because of that don't operate from a place of trust? How does an always trust work in the real world without crushing me? Is that even possible in this world as it is? Can I always trust and still be safe? emotionally maybe even physically these are great questions right and into that world this world as it is Paul drops this huge truth bombs hope always protects hope always trusts Whew. and I'm thinking really Paul <laughs> I don't think so I mean, whatever happened to trust but verify, or or good fences make good neighbors, or love all, trust few? Whatever happened to that, Paul? Well, doesn't trust just set me up for heartache? Are you sure, Paul, that love always trusts? Well, I think Paul's really sure about it. I wanna show you a place where Jesus actually is working with his actual real family and he shows us how an always trust works. But before we go there, I wanna show you a little more about this word in Paul's letter, how he uses always trust in in 1 Corinthians chapter seven, or excuse me, chapter 13, verse seven. The the word he uses for always trust is, is pistuo or pistis. It means to have faith in or believe but in the sense of believing in something or in someone. So that's how it, uh, many translations end up translating it as trust because there is a there is a, an object of my belief. It's like me saying, I believe in you. Does that make sense? It's a kind of trust in someone, believing the best in them, seeing the best in them, even if it's still a matter of potential. One of the commentaries I really love says that This love, this 1 Corinthians 13, always trust kind of love, unsuspiciously believes all it can believe that's good about someone else. I will. And always trust, unsuspiciously believes all it can believe that's good about someone else. You know the old, thing, the old saying we have, right? Uh, if you can't say something nice about somebody, don't say something, anything at all. That's not biblical. Do you know that's not in the Bible, actually? <laughs> the Bible would say to you, if you can't say something nice about somebody, why is that? Why is it that you haven't been able to look deep enough to see anything that is good in someone else? So does that change the way you think about trust? In this way of looking at it, trust begins with my interior mindset, not the other person's performance. Doesn't mean we check our brains at the door or ignore obvious things, but that we give every opportunity for a relationship and for a person to grow. I say that again. It does not mean we check our brains at the door that we have no boundaries about ourselves, that we don't care about discipling another person into health. What it does mean is that we give every opportunity for God to work. So let's look at how Jesus lived that out with his family and in all his relationships. I want you to put a finger in 1 Corinthians 13 and flip back to Mark chapter three, beginning with verse 20. Mark chapter three, verse 20. Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. <laughs> they said, He is out of his mind. <laughs> you should underline that. <laughs> Put a little sticky note here so you can remind yourself the next time your family says you're out of your mind that you're not alone. And the teachers of the law, who came down from Jerusalem, said he's possessed by Beelzebul, which is to say he's possessed by a demon or by, or by Satan, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. This is a typical day in the life of Jesus. Nobody thinks he's sane. <laughs> and you think he doesn't get you. Of course he does. <coughs> the teachers of the law think he's Satan, that he's pulling a fast one, but that he got all day every day but now his family is in on it and you would think that mary of all people would know better after all she was the one who was immaculately conceived right (laughs) Uh, who who saw angels and was told this child was god's messiah you'd think she'd be more supportive you just got to love how real this is to our actual real families right Uh, just just do a poll how many of you just in the last 60 days said someone in your family was out of his mind or that she must be possessed? How many of you? Okay, that's a lot of people. The ones of you who aren't raising your hands is because you're sitting next to the person you said that about. (laughs) That's right. Next question, who in here suspects that someone in your family has said that you are out of your mind, or that you might be actually, yeah, there you go. (laughs) If you raised your hand, you should be all over this scene in Mark chapter 3. Isn't it a comfort to know they said it about Jesus too? You might actually really truly be crazy, but they also said it about Jesus and he wasn't. (laughs) remember my first year of ministry. I was, this was about 23 years ago, so it was nobody you know, nobody in town. This this woman came to my office in tears, and I just, like this was my first year. I'd just gotten there, I, as, but from what I knew, she and her husband were solid people. They had good jobs. They were sort of this, this kind of just strong, good-looking couple. They seemed faithful. They were that kind of young couple that sort of shines. You know the ones I'm talking about? But the day she came to my office, she was in tears, and she said to me, I think my husband is demon-possessed. And she was serious about it. So I asked her, what makes you think that? And she began to tell me, I mean, the most sinister, terrible things he was doing. Things like leaving the cap off the toothpaste. <laughs> and leaving the toilet seat up after he had been told not to. Okay? <laughs> leaving the dirty dishes in the sink when the dishwasher was dirty. I'm talking these were big things, huge things. No pistou going on here, no believing the best about the other. And after listening to her for a few minutes, I said, how long have you guys been married? And she said, six months. <laughs> I said, oh, oh, there's your problem. You just haven't been married long enough to know that he's gonna do exactly those, thi- those things 30 years from now. You just don't even, won't even notice it then. And you also may not know, I've got news for you, you're doing things he thinks are demonic too. But neither of you are demon-possessed, you're just married. <laughs> she did not believe me that day. But about a year later she came back and she said, all right, all right, maybe he's not demon-possessed, but he's very aggravating. That's what it means to be in relationship, friends. It means having your rough edges sanded off by another person's humanity. And sometimes we will get to the end of our patience because we are humans too. And sometimes we will decide someone is out of their mind. Sometimes we'll even decide someone is demon possessed. It happens. But in general, Paul has already taught us that trust begins where? It begins inside my brain not your behavior. Do you hear me? Trust begins inside my brain, not your behavior. The goal is to unsuspiciously believe all you can believe that is good about another person, which, hear me, is not, I say it again, it's not checking your brain at the door. It's not becoming a doormat. What it challenges me to do is to seek the Lord's healing in any area of my life where I default to suspicion and the demon of offense rather than believing all I can believe that's good about the people around me. Does it make sense? Yeah. So the question is, do you believe all the things that God believes about those God has placed in your life? I know you believe all the things you believe about him, but do you believe all the things God believes about the people God has placed in your life? (laughs) It's hard. (laughs) But he's an always God. So if your trust bounces up instead of out, it helps. Has your fallen brain been rewired by the Holy Spirit to believe the best of others, to assume their good intentions, or is your mind still doing that unredeemed thing, still trained towards suspicion? And if so, what is your plan for seeking the sanctification? Which is to say, what is your plan for seeking the healing? Because that's all sanctification is. It is just gradual, over a lifetime healing of everything that's not fit in the kingdom. What is your plan for seeking the sanctification of your mind? Is it, I don't know who in here knows this, because y'all see him before I do. But um, Steve, my husband, the parking lot guy. He's going to become a truck driver. Do y'all know this about my Steve? Some of you are like, what? I know, the rest of you have gotten used to the idea. But um, yeah, Steve is retired as a school teacher, and he's decided that he's going to pursue one of his bucket list dreams, and he's going to become a big rig driver. A big rig driver. Seriously, my Steve. (laughs) Pocket protector Steve. (laughs) He's going to become a big rig driver. So he's in training right now. And one of the things that he's learned is that everything that his brain thinks because the first thing they l- they teach you how to do is how to back up one of those things and so to back up an, uh, a a big rig at a ninety degree angle, you have to retrain your brain completely to do opposite of what you would normally do when you're when you're driving a car. everything has to uh, everything in your brain has to shift, and so he's constantly saying. I'm digging all new pathways in my brain, constantly. Digging all new pathways in my brain. So you can understand, I guess, maybe a little better once you've lived like a trucker, which I do because I'm a trucker wife now. Um, (laughs) But you can understand how trucks can make occasional mistakes because they get out of their truck and they drive a car that drives the opposite of how the truck drives. And here's what Paul is saying to you and to me and Jesus you got to get out of the truck and get in the car or get out of the car and get in the truck or whichever works for you. You've got to get out of the vehicle that you have been driving your brain by your whole life and get into a whole other mindset if you're going to be part of an always family. And it's going to be opposite of what you thought. It is the opposite of what you think. Because we're like, once burned, that's it. We're going to be the people who say, we, we, we saw them get sober last week, and if they're not sober this week, that's the end of it. Oh my goodness. Think of the treasure we would have lost in Krista if we had not held on way past good sense. And today she is 1,401 days sober. You know, I think when they told Jesus he was out of his mind, maybe that's exactly what they were seeing. A mind so focused on an always God that it looked from our perspective like crazy. Verse 23. So Jesus called them over to him and he began to speak to them in parables. Just notice that. Everything he's about to say is a little parable and he uses several here. How how can Satan drive out Satan? Satan. Truly, I tell you, this is, it. this is him telling people who are calling him demon possessed or that he's using the power of Satan to do these things. It's like, how does that even work? So, truly, I tell you, people can be given, forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. I want you to underline that the 28. People can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. That is an always trust kind of statement right there. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he, he has an impure spirit. There's so much here about trust. I want you to read verse 25 again together from the screen. Go. If a house is divided against itself, it cannot stand. This line has been used in a thousand different contexts, but I want you to keep in mind the context it's being used in here. People are accusing Jesus of being out of his mind. Or following God, but using the power of Satan. And Jesus is trying to get them to hear that if this was true, if Jesus was dealing with a divided mind or an internal civil war, his movement would have collapsed. A house divided against itself cannot stand. In other words, healthy relationships build healthy systems, and healthy systems weather storms. Meanwhile, conflicted relationships build conflicted systems. So why does Jesus, why does Paul have us defaulting to trust? Because that puts us in line with an always God. Tim Chester talks about communities of performance, and he compares them with communities of grace. And there's a word he uses in that comparison I really want to point you towards. So in communities of performance, the leaders appear to have it all figured out, the the, the community appears respectful, respectable, meetings must be a polished performance, failure is devastating because identity is found in ministry, actions are driven by duty, conflict is suppressed or ignored, and the focus on behavior, the focus is on behavior. In other words, how you act is everything in a community of performance. The word that strikes me in this list is the word appears. Leaders appear to have it all together. The community appears respectable. (laughs) Chris, I think we are one up on the community of performance right now. We do not appear to have it all together. But but that's that's a formula, that appearance mentality is a formula for faith. Because when we work too hard to guard our reputation, listen to me, when you work too hard to guard your reputation Rather than letting Jesus take care of it, we create a veneer that is damaging to ourselves, to our communities, to our relationships. Communities of grace, in contrast, are not necessarily getting everything right. They're just willing to live their mistakes in the open. In communities of grace, the leaders are vulnerable. The community is messy. messy. Build, uh, meetings are just one part of community life. Failure is disappointing, but it's not devastating because identity is found in Christ. Actions are driven by joy. Conflict is addressed in the open. The focus is on the heart. In other words, why you act is everything. That's a powerful, um, not the how, but the why. Do you hear the difference between how you act and why you act? So this, this mob around Jesus, and especially his family at this point, their whole focus is on how he was acting probably because they were having their own crisis of faith, divided within themselves about his divinity. This is a moment for them. This was a moment for Mary. But in a community of grace, the always Christian will seek healing for those warring sides within, so we learn to unsuspiciously believe all we can believe that's good about someone else. Communities of grace emphasize transparency as a gift. 12 Stone, I heard a guy at 12 Stone Church say this once, that trust requires shortcomings without secrets. Trust doesn't require perfection, just shortcomings without secrets. That's good, isn't it? That's why spiritual formation in community is so important. Listen, we learn to trust in conversation. We learn to normalize conversations about the state of our souls, and particularly about what's going on with us. You know, that's transparent about our shortcomings. All of that, There's, we, we, we share how it is with our souls with no hallmark card ending in sight. Just this is how it is, it's not good, and that's all I've got. And we have grace for that. What I'm saying is that trust doesn't just happen, it takes practice. Trust happens in community. So where are you practicing the art of trust? Look at the last piece of this story, verse 31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus said, who are my mother and my brothers? And he looked around at those seated in the circle around him, and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will, underline God's will, is my brother and my sister and my mother. That sounds like a little harsh, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds a little like, well, if, they're offensive, if that's offensive, I'm going to write off my family but i don't think that's what's happening here at all i don't think he's written them off i think where he what he's doing here is he, he is putting the big rock in first he's saying listen friends i'm going to set god's will as my center and my compass and my plumb line not what my mama thinks about me i'm going to set my god's will as my highest value And I'm going to look at people through the lens of God's will, which is to say I am going to look at people through the lens of God's best for them rather than through the lens of performance or how they're acting. I'm going to set God's will as my operating system, and then I will invite my family, my friends, biological otherwise, I will invite everyone to situate themselves around the will of God. And by handling his relationships this way, Jesus opts out of a reactionary pattern and surrounds himself with a community of grace, which is to say, my mother and my brothers and my sisters are welcome to come in here where the will of God is being accomplished. Listen, we are not powerless in our relationships, but we don't have to control them either. We can cultivate our own community of grace. You can cultivate a community of grace right where you are by allowing the will of God, which always seeks our best and highest to be the driver. Having those values to drive my life, you know, that actually releases me to give grace because I'm not conflicted within myself. I know what my anchor is. I trust Jesus. I trust Jesus with people rather than trusting people with people. (laughs) It turns out the will of God is a powerfully grace-producing force. We can always trust God, always trust the will of God, and that allows us to move without fear in our relationships, which means I don't have to wait until you are trustworthy to have a relationship with you. I can let Jesus be the referee. I can trust Jesus with your life and just love without expectation. That's the model Jesus gives me, and that is what Jesus has done. That's how he got a foothold in every single one of our lives. He didn't wait until we were perfect. While we were still sinners, Paul tells us, Christ died for us. So the cross invites us. The cross is an open invitation to Examine our shortcomings without secrets. That's kingdom pattern. That's how imperfect people can always trust. So is your always rooted in circumstances, rooted in people, or rooted in God? I know lots of you have heard me tell this story before, but today seems like a good time to just remind ourselves of how Good and always God is. Years ago, this was probably like fifteen years ago. Not maybe not that long, but I don't know. A long time ago, first time it happened it was about the time we find out found out that the cost of our our first warehouse renovation was going to be more than we could afford. This just, that was just the renovation that just built this room, just this room. And so one morning I was out walking and I was talking to God about the situation and I remember saying, "Lord, I do not see how this is going to happen. I don't." see how it's gonna happen I don't see how we're ever gonna be able to get the funds together to get into this building and just as I said that I was early in the morning still dark I looked down and there was a penny on the on the ground right in front of me I'm not I'm a big picture person I don't see details very well Um, but there it was it was a penny shining up at me out of the early morning dark so I picked it up and I sort of laughed to myself I said okay God so is this your contribution to the project And then it hit me that maybe this was God's way of reminding me that he always provides. Not in the ways I expect, not on my timeline, but he will provide. I mean, after all, what does it say on a penny? In God we trust, right? So after that, I started seeing pennies everywhere. And obviously, we got this room built, and it worked. Um, It got to be a joke almost, like someone was planting them in my path. And and, and almost like the punchline, one day, like a like a punchline. one day I, p- I pulled into a parking place in a convenience store which i never go to convenience stores but that day for some reason I, I was at a convenience store and i pulled into a parking place and just as i pulled in just after i parked opened my door this woman stepped into my parking place and she leans down and she starts picking up stuff she looked up at me she said do you see all these pennies they're everywhere and i just was like oh my gosh i s- i let her pick up the pennies but in my head the whole time i'm thinking lady those are my pennies <laughs> so I told this story all those years ago and everybody started picking up pennies. Do you remember some of you? We used to have a big uh a big jar right at, there at the at the, the old front door and people would bring their pennies and um, you know, eventually the penny phenomenon faded until our second building rev- uh, renovation when we renovated that whole back part. That was just three years ago. Can you believe it? Just three years ago. Three years ago today or this Sunday would have been, um, it, was, it was January 13th, would have been our grand opening. Yeah, so, but, but, but getting there was hard. I, I lots, of, I mean, oh my goodness, just the struggle because it was a huge stretch for us, a huge stretch. And not just, to, not just to get the money, but to get a loan. And um, so I was wondering if God would provide. One day in my office, I was whining about it to somebody. It was Steve Cutcliffe I was whining about it to. And he, in his wisdom, said, we should pray. Let's just bow our heads and pray over this. And so I bowed my head, and right there in my office, right next to my feet, I hadn't noticed it before, don't know where it came from, was a penny. Now, I don't believe God is tossing pennies in my path like some kind of cosmic flower girl. But I do have to wonder if he uses things like that, you know, yeah. to, to remind us he can be trusted. When people aren't acting right, or in an unsure moments when doubt piles up, or in the moment when you think we've had our last good day, it's all going to heck in a handbasket, you know, when those things happen, in when, when, what if those moments are precisely the places where God is inviting us into always trust. What if pennies are critical moments, or people who doubt us, what all those things are are ways that God is, is training us, Jesus is training us to trust him? What if they are all opportunities to heal our suspicious minds and believe in an always God? Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Don't worry. Saying, What should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? How is the building going to get paid for? How am, how am I going to pay for my, uh, get my rent paid next month? How is this marriage going to happen? How is this relationship going to happen? How am I ever going to get out of this? You know what Jesus says? Pagans do that. That is a pagan mindset. You got to learn to back your truck up different. Your Heavenly Father already knows you need these things. So lean on God for your needs. This is Jesus in this passage in the Sermon on the Mount saying, you need to learn how to lean on God for your needs because you don't lean on God for your needs. We won't ever say that out loud, but in the ways we overprotect, overplan, overdefend, In the ways we guard our hearts and control our circumstances, we expose what we really believe. And into all your doubt, Jesus speaks. If you want to be part of an always family, trust the will of God. Put your trust there. I want to ask you to stand. Thinking about this God who gave us all of creation. I mean, this amazing creation. The God who gave us puppies' breath. The God who gave us suns and moons and stars and rain and rainbows and snow, there is snow someplace today for all our enjoyment and provision. God could have packaged all of it in styrofoam, but he chose instead to give us this beautiful world. And he said, if creation alone is not enough for you, to make you feel loved, to make you trust me, then here. Here's the cross. Here's Jesus. Right here, I give him freely for the forgiveness of your sins and for your healing, so that your guilt won't stand in the way of your ability to enjoy me and everything I've given you. And then as if that weren't enough, he said, here, receive the Holy Spirit. Let him give you talent and energy to do what you've been created to do, what I already know you're equipped to do because I made you and I unsuspiciously believe the best in you right now, even if you are so far from it. Let the Holy Spirit empower you to live a good life. And then as if that weren't enough, he said, here, here's a family. Here is an always family that will hang on to you long past good sense let me get an amen in the room right now a community of grace that will unsuspiciously believe all that can be believed that's good about you what a gift what a gift he has given us all the tools everything we need What in your brain needs to be rewired so you can trust that? So you can trust him. So you can trust him with the people in front of you who are acting the fool right now. What inside of you needs to be rewired? So you can always hope. So you can always persevere. So you can always trust God. Come on up. If it's you that needs to be on the on your on your knees also, come on up. What in you needs to get saved again today? Needs to get redeemed. Yeah. Jesus. I I wanna I want to hear everything that I don't know how to put in words. I want my people to hear everything I can't put into words about what it means to let trust bounce off of heaven before it falls on the people you've given me. I don't have words for it, but I know your Holy Spirit is speaking into the lives right now, right here. And so Lord, I'm just praying that by your Holy Spirit, you would come and speak a word To the one who is tired. To the one who is suspicious. To the one who is hurting or hungry. To the one who is genuinely, honestly right now saying, I hear what she's saying, but there are just some people in my family that just, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I am asking you, To speak wisdom, true wisdom. Speak your always and to our if. Whew. Jesus. Jesus. if you need prayer i'm going to be right down front here i'll be glad to pray with you here's here's the thing this song that we're about to sing i i really want you to grab hold of this song as prayer deep prayer god god we're asking you to be our vision that we're able to see through the lens of your will be our vision god so we can see what you see so we can love like you love so we can trust What you trust and know, even if we don't see it ourselves, that's my prayer, God. And I am asking you in this room to make that your prayer, too. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.